Amen. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 16. To deliver thee from the strange woman. Someone say the strange woman. Now that's not talking about she's awkward. This is talking about somebody that is a harlot, somebody that is a prostitute. And it says, to deliver thee from the strange woman, even from the stranger that flatters with her words, which forsakes the guide of her youth. How many thank God for guides for our youth? How many thankful for our youth pastor and his wife? I'm thankful for Brother Henry, Sister Alicia. I'm thankful that we have guides for our youth. She did not have to be in this occupation. She did not have to be in this lifestyle. But she forsook the guide of her youth and forgot the covenant of her guide. It's not just daycare. It's not someone to watch the young people, the teenagers. That person that is guiding the young person is guiding them in the covenant of their God. And so you're not disrespecting a youth leader. You're disrespecting the covenant that he's trying to teach you. And it says, her house inclines unto death and her paths unto the dead. None that go to her return again. Neither do they take hold of the paths of life. Proverbs 5, 1 through 5. My son, attend unto my wisdom. Bow your ear to my understanding, that you may regard discretion, that your lips may keep knowledge. The lips of a strange woman, someone say a strange woman, they drop as a honeycomb. Her mouth is smoother than oil. She, she sounds good. She looks good. It's easy to listen to what she is saying. It is easy to be drawn to the direction of her voice. In verse 4 it says, but, but her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold on hell. I want to teach just for the next few moments today about the strange woman's butt. Everyone say a strange woman's butt. I only got three people who said it. I want us to pray and I want us to be sensitive to what God is going to speak to us here in the next few moments. God, we love you. God, we magnify your name. I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for your presence. I thank you, God, for what you have done in this house. And, Lord, I believe that you have a clear word, a clear purpose for us today. And I pray that you would give us ears to hear what the Holy Ghost is saying. I pray we don't miss it. I pray we're open. I pray we're receptive. God, give us a receptive spirit, a teachable spirit, a yielded spirit. And someone say in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The word strange in this scripture means to turn aside. It means a foreigner, a stranger, one who turns aside to commit adultery. This is what the strange woman is. As I mentioned to you a moment ago, the scriptures we read are in reference to warning against giving into the temptation of prostitution. It is said to be the oldest profession. Now, I would hardly call it a profession. 
In fact, it is said to be the oldest profession, but it's not correct. Farming or agriculture would be the oldest profession. Adam and Eve did not start off as prostitutes. They started off as tending a garden. The sin of the strange woman is about pleasure. Sin is often described as a seducing spirit of a harlot, a seductress, a mistress, a prostitute. Now, in case you think the Bible is sexist because it paints the seduction of sin as a woman, be reminded that the church is called the bride of Christ without spot, without wrinkle. That's true beauty is to be a part of the true church. You don't need anything else to try to make you beautiful. The Bible says God is coming back for a bride that is spotless, without wrinkle. It is the beauty of serving the Lord in a spirit of holiness. Now, sin is designed to be attractive, alluring. It is how it builds its clientele. And that seducing spirit of old has been at work since the fall of man. And much of the power and stronghold of that seducing spirit stems all the way back to a place called ancient Babylon. It is alive today and it will be prevalent in the end times. We read in the last book of the Bible, this book of prophecy, the book of Revelation, chapter 17, verses 1 through 7. There came one of the seven angels which had seven vials and talked with me. And this is what he said. Come here. I will show you the judgment of the great whore that sits upon many waters, many nations, many kingdoms, many rulers, whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication with the great whore. The inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet colored beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple, scarlet color, decked with gold, precious stones and pearls. And she had a golden cup in her hand. It looks attractive. It it is alluring. It is enticing. But if you were to look into the content of that cup, that cup was filled to the brim with abominations, filthiness of her fornication. Verse 5, upon her head was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. There is a spirit that is the source of all abominations on the earth. There is a spirit that rules and reigns behind any magistrate, any king, any prince, any nation that is not of God. It is a powerful force. It is a prominent force. It is attractive. It holds beautiful colors. It holds cups and vessels in its hand. But the content that is behind the facade behind the attraction, behind the look, behind the appeal, you will find it to be abominable. The Bible says this in verse 6. I saw that woman drunk with the blood of the saints, with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. The blood, the, the intoxication that she had, it wasn't from alcohol. It may look as if she's under the influence of alcohol. It may look as if she's under the influence of some sort of beer, some sort of wine, some sort of substance. But 
The revelation is she is completely enraged and embalmed and encased and covered and, and infatuated and drunken with the blood of everything that represents God. Anything that opposes the system of this world. And the Bible says the blood of the saints, the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. The angel said unto me, wherefore did you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman, the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. I'm not here to teach on prophecy today and what all of each of these things means and the significance. Other than there is a spirit that is behind nations. There is a spirit that entices this world. There is a spirit that uses people as puppets in pawns. These puppets, these pawns, these potentates that look as if they are all powerful. They're just a puppet and a pawn in the hand of the prince of the power of the air that feeds them their power, that feeds them their influence. And the spirit that is behind them is Babylon the Great. The mother of harlots, this wicked, vile, detestable spirit. And as John begins to get revelation of who she is and revelation of the spirit that is behind her, you read these interesting statements from the angel of the Lord in verse 6 and 7. You see, you and I need a revelation to escape the strange woman's destruction. Babylon, the harlot. This strange woman looks good. And this strange woman is powerful. The lure of her appearance is so good that even John the beloved, John who laid his head on the heart of Jesus that was close to him in proximity with him in, uh, in great relationship with the Lord and seeing all these revelations, even John was caught off guard by the strange woman, by this harlot, by this spirit, that he wondered after her with great, admiration. So powerful was her presentation. So attractive was her appearance that he began to marvel at her. He was captured at her appearance. He was captured by that magnetic pull that was coming from her. We could think ourselves to be so spiritual and so holy and so separate that nothing could ever influence us, that nothing could ever pull at us. But I promise you, there are powerful spirits out there that are seductresses, that are mistresses in the spirit world, and they know how to pull you. They know your areas of sensitivity. They know your areas of weakness, and they may not get you the first time or the second time, but they are observed your behavior. They are observing the second glance you make, the third glance you make, the next time you contemplate. At first, you were very quick to say no. You were quick to denounce. You were quick to walk away. But the second time that temptation came around, there was a little reluctance. There was a little hesitation. You got to be careful when you look at a snare and you begin to call it an opportunity. The moment a temptation becomes an opportunity, you are caught in the snare. It is not an opportunity. It is an occasion. Sin is always an occasion. It is never an opportunity. And we must see it as such. The Bible says in Romans 7, 13, sin, that it may appear to be sin. 
Sin will always try to appear to be something other than what it really is. God, give us revelation of sin, not admiration of it. Even John, the apostle, the beloved, looked in wonder, in awe. I'm not saying that he was enraged in lust, that he was close to falling into sin. But he was in admiration and marvel of something that God already began to speak to him and say, this is a harlot. This is an abomination. But he could not stop looking in admiration and wonder. But under all of that marvel is murder, is death, is destruction. For beyond that cup, beyond that veil, it was a cup full of the blood of every saint, every martyr for the cause of the kingdom of God. It may look like there are multiple factions against Christianity, but do not be distracted. They are one. It is one spirit that is fighting against the church of the living God. And so we could try to single out one enemy of the cross or another enemy of the cross. But at the end of the day, it is the enemy of the cross. It is a spirit. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 3, we go on to read here again. The lips of a strange woman drop as a honeycomb. Her mouth is smoother than oil. Everything sin says looks and sounds good. It's very important that we realize that this seductress, this mistress, uses its words, uses its voice. There are many voices on this planet that are speaking into our ear. We must carefully choose which voices we heed and give our ears to. In verse 4 it says, but her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold on hell. You see, the strange woman will show you what makes you attracted to keep you distracted from what is down the road. It is the goal and the objective of the spirit of this world to keep your eyes on the attraction. Because if you could keep looking at what is attractive, you are living in a state of distraction that leads to a road of destruction. She wants you to keep your eyes on her, on the surface, on the external, so you don't see beyond what is going to lead us into an eternal destruction. It is how the spirit of this world, it wants you to see everything but the destination, the sin, the eternal destruction, the things that's going to lead us down to a place that you and I, my brother, my sister, we do not go. For the Bible says in verse 4, you can look at the way she walks and you can be attracted to the way that she walks. But the way she walks is to death and it gets a hold on hell. And I am not speaking solely about a woman. I am talking about sin specifically. Sin in general. The spirit of sin works on men and women. The spirit of sin works on young and old alike. All it wants to do is to get you to be attractive. And everybody may have a different attraction, but it's still the same seduction. That seductive spirit wants you to look at her and to hear her and to be drawn by her and to follow her. In verse 6, it says, lest you should ponder the path of life. Her ways are are movable, that you cannot know them. 
Hear me now, therefore, O ye children, depart not from the words of my mouth. Remove your way far from her. Do not come nigh to the door of her house. See, the Bible says it like this, that we are to flee youthful lust. Not useful lust, youthful lust. Do not entertain them. Do not convince yourself that, you know what, I, I got this. I'm strong enough. I've been serving God long enough. I'm all right. No big deal. Distance is our best resistance. The more we can stay separated from this world, the safer we are. The more distant we can be from the spirit of this age, the safer we are. My friend, I'm not trying to fit in the world. I'm not trying to look like the world. I'm not trying to find my place in this world. All I know is that God pulled me out of darkness into this marvelous light and there's nothing greater than this light that I found. Hallelujah. 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 And the devil's not an idiot. He knows how to try to reel you in. He'll even convince you that you can reach him. He'll even convince you that you can convert him. But he has no intentions of converting. He has no intentions of changing. So he'll keep, yeah, 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 I'm listening. I'm, but really, all the while, there's a subtle spirit that's pulling you in. Why you? See, you think you're moving the right direction, but your sense of direction is so discombobulated that the direction we end up going is astray verse 9 says lest thou give your honor to others he begins to speak of the scene of somebody that is given to a prostitute that is given to this particular sin it says what ends up happening with the blessings that you have the honor that you have the finance that you have it goes out of your pocket into their pocket and what seems to be something that you just want to experience for a moment ends up being a lifetime Because that moment turns into years. All of a sudden, that money you had a control, you thought you were responsible with now, you're addicted and you're bound and you keep going back to the seduction of sin. You keep going back to the allure of it. And everything comes out of your pocket right into it. And you may have your moment of joy, but when that moment is open, you'll reach into your pocket and you realize you don't have anything. All of a sudden, you can't you can't get your kids the, the school clothes that you were going to get them. All of a sudden, you can't take your wife out on that anniversary. All of a sudden, now you You can't pay your bills. You can't take care of the utilities. You can't take care of your responsibilities. Yeah, you had fun for the moment, but now you're asking around to see if you can borrow money. Now you're asking around to maybe not even ask around. You're just looking around to see what you can swipe. It's the power of the strange woman. It's the power of the seduction of sin. It doesn't show you that your honor is gone and now your years have been given. You've wasted years to the cruel Lest strangers are filled with your wealth. Your labors be in the house of a stranger. Everything you've worked for is in your hand and gone. Verse 11. And the result, it says, at last you mourn because your flesh and your body are consumed. He's literally addressing sexually transmitted diseases specifically in this scripture. It says, yes, there is the momentary pleasure, but there is consequence for a lifestyle that is outside the confines of what God has laid groundwork for between a man and a woman in marriage. And all of a sudden now that there is the loss of money and the loss of health. They begin to now vent. How have I hated 
instruction. My heart despised reproof. You were offended by reproof, but the reproof was for your good. It was to protect you from destruction. But you thought they were trying to be a bully to you. In verse 13 says, I haven't obeyed the voice of my teachers. I didn't incline my ear to them that instructed me. Living in the end in regret. In verse 14 is a very sad scripture. It says, I was almost in all evil in the midst of the congregation and assembly. It literally just means the sin in private has become a public shame. What, what I was just doing and covering in privately that nobody knew about that I, got, I thought I was getting away with. The Bible says, be sure that your sins, they will find you out. It will come out into the open. Some here on earth, some, you know, on the other side of eternity. But eventually it's all going to be known publicly. Proverbs chapter 7 verse 1. My son, keep my words. Lay up my commandments with you. Keep my commandments and live my law as the apple of your eye. Bind them upon your fingers. Write them upon the table of your heart. Say to wisdom, you're my sister. Call understanding your kinswoman that they may keep thee from the strange woman. The stranger that flatters with her words. And all of a sudden, the wise man began to say, I looked out the window of my house and I began to take hold of a scene through the casement of my window. And there was among the simple ones, I discerned among the youths, a young man void of understanding. Thought he knew it all, but really doesn't know anything at all. And passes through the street, nears her corner. And as he approaches the proximity of her property, he ends up going and went to the way of her house. Look at this, in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark and night. I mean, you want to talk emphasizing something five times. You want to know where sin is? You find yourself out in the twilight. You find yourself out late at evening, in the blackness of darkness, in the darkness of the night. Good things don't happen late at night. Good things don't happen in the darkness of your room when no one else can have access into your room because you're by yourself on your phone on that device. Nothing good happens in isolation. Nothing good happens astray in the darkness of the night. And all of a sudden in that atmosphere and environment, there meets him a woman with the attire of a harlot. Don't tell me that clothing doesn't speak volumes of your spirit. There is an attire of a harlot, subtle of heart. She is loud and stubborn. Her feet abide not in her house. Or you could write this down later, look it up in Proverbs 7.11. The New Living Translation says it like this. She was the brash, rebellious type, never content to stay home. That's the spirit, never content to stay home. That is a spirit that is a dangerous spirit. It is an enticing spirit. It is a rebellious spirit. Never content to stay home. And now she is without, now in the streets and lies in wait at every corner looking for her next prey. And she finds him. She catches him. She kisses him with an impudent face. Says unto him, I have peace offerings with me. This day I have paid my vows. The young man, no, 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 I, I can't, I can't. I, I, I'm spiritual. She says, oh, I'm spiritual too. I believe in God too. I give offerings. I pay. I, I, I give sacrifices. I go to Christmas and Easter services. I'm spiritual too. Therefore came I forth to meet thee diligently to seek your face. I wanted to meet you. I made effort just to seek you. And I have found you. See, sin wants you to feel like one in a million. But really, you're just one of a million. 
I have decked my bed with coverings of tapestry, with carved works, fine linen of Egypt. See, sin looks good. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. See, sin smells good. Verse 18, come, let us take our fill of love until the morning. Let us solace ourselves with loves. Sin feels good. The goodman is not at home. He's gone a long journey. Sin feels safe. He's gone. He's not going to show up. He's a million miles away. It's going to be okay. We got time. Verse 20. He took a bag of money with him. And he will come at the day appointed. Sin promises time. You got time. Don't worry. You'll get this right later. You'll take care of this down the road at the day appointed. With her much fair speech, she caused him to yield. With the flattering of her lips, she forced him. Sin sounds good. In verse 22, he goes after her straightway as an ox goes to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks. See, sin can look good. It could smell good. It can feel good. It can feel safe. It could promise you time. It could sound good. It could do all these things. But the end of the strange woman is that sin slaughters. Till a dart strikes through his liver as a bird hastes to the stair. And knows not that it is for his life. Sin will never reveal everything to you. It will reveal things to you that allure you, but it will never disclose everything about itself and its plans that it has for your life. In case you are isolating this to the thought of adultery or fornication, if you are isolating this to sexual temptation, I'm not isolating it to that whatsoever. All of us have a strange woman. All of us have something that allures us and draws us and entices us and knows our weaknesses. And after a while, if we are not careful, it can talk to us long enough. Its mouth, its lips drop as a honeycomb. Her lips are smoother than oil. And it sounds so good, especially after all the other things you hear and all the other things you face. It just seems like a break. It seems like a joy. It seems like just kind of a vacation. It's just something to relax and calm me down. But sin does not tell you everything. And so the man of God says in verse 24, hearken to me now. Hearken now. Pay attention now. Do not delay. Do not push off this advice. Do not wait another moment. Do not wait another day. Hearken now. Listen now or you will regret later. Don't let your heart decline to her ways. Go not astray in her paths because she has cast down many wounded. Yea, many strong men have been slain by her. This strange woman has trophies. She has trophies and victims. And this is what they include. Many, many strong men. There are many. There are many. There are strong 
strong men. There were men of valor. There were men of power. There were men that fought valiantly in the kingdom of God. There were people that had a sure foundation. There were people that had a sure direction. But it just takes the words that are smoother than oil. It just takes words that are attractive. And all of a sudden that strange woman, that word strange reminds you. And let let me remind you, it means to turn aside. That is the goal of the strange woman. See, when we got into the church, we repented and we turned away. But ever since we turned away, there's been a strange woman trying to get you to turn aside. Not saying let's go 180. Not saying let's go the other direction. Just a little bit off course. Just a little astray one step at a time. And if you go off one step and the moment eternity begins to usher in, we will find ourselves off course. Many, many strong men. Not me, not me, not me. Take heed. Take heed. You think you're standing, but take heed lest you fall because her house is the way to hell. Oh, I love her house. I love that place. I love my friends. I I love this destination. I love this activity. I love this occupation. I love this. But that house is the way to hell going down to the chambers of death. Verse 14, Proverbs 9. She sits at the door of her house, a seat in the high places of the city. The, The seduction of sin is seated in high places. The prince of the power of the air is ever observing and ever calling The great mystery Babylon, the great harlot has authority, has influence. The seat is on one of many waters, many powers, many dignitaries, much flowing through that river, going through the course of nations. It is the enemy coming in like a flood. The the prince of the power of the air is ever observing and is ever calling. And verse 15, to call passengers who go right on their ways. Whoso is simple, let him turn in hither. As for him that wants understanding or lacks understanding, she says to him, stolen waters, they're sweet. Bread eaten in secret, it is pleasant. The allure of the forbidden, but he knows not that the dead are there. And her guests are in the depths of hell. It's the strange woman's butt. It is what she doesn't want you to see. She wants you to see everything but that. I want you to see everything that meets your fancy but hell and death and destruction and regret and the robbing of your wealth. And the separation of your family, the destruction of your marriage, the destruction of relationship between you and your father, the destruction of relationship between you and your mother, the destruction of relationship with you and all your family. That's what the woman does not show. She shows you everything but how what the things that are precious and valuable in this life are going to be removed from your life. The blessing of a family, the blessing of a church, the blessing of people that care about you, all of it will be not if we do not heed the word. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 7.26, I find more bitter than death the woman. I'll just give some exegesis here. This is not talking about ladies in general. Again, this is talking about the strange woman. One of the most bitter things. And you wish 
Solomon would have paid attention to his own advice about the seductress spirit. But it says, it's more bitter than death, whose heart is snares and nets. See, she, she seems like she's disclosing her heart to you, and it seems so emotionally uh, uh, fervent and bright and enticing and enjoyable. But inside that heart is a trap, is a net. Her hands are as bands. Those sweet caresses of those hands really are what are chaining you and holding you down into a life that is going to destroy you. Whoso pleases God can escape her, but the sinner will be taken by her. There is a story, I'm looking at the time in the book of Judges, chapter 16, verses 4, all the way down to 22. I'm not going to read through it in detail, but I'll give you the gist of it real quickly. There's a man named Samson who is absolutely powerful. And this powerful man falls in love with a woman named Delilah. And all of a sudden, the Philistines, they want to conquer Samson. They want to overcome Samson. They want to find out where his strength comes from and to destroy him. And so they talk to Delilah and say, Delilah, we'll make you filthy, stinking rich if you can find out where his source of strength comes from. And so she begins to entice him and she begins to have relations with him. And he begins to ask, where does your strength from? If you love me, tell me where it comes from. And he begins to give her false information, misleading her and misguiding her, saying, well, if you tie me with ropes or if you tie me with these, these green withs that's never been used and these ropes that have never been used, you tie me up with those, I'll be weak, just like any other man. And all of a sudden, uh, Delilah, she causes Samson to fall asleep, and she binds him and ties his hands up. And all of a sudden, as he's at rest in her lap, the Philistines, the enemies come crashing in. And she says, Samson, the enemy is here. Samson, they're here. They're going to kill us. They're going to attack us. And she was in the game the whole time. But Samson was oblivious, and he woke up, and he saw the enemy, and he ripped those ropes off his wrist. He ripped those green withs off his wrist. And he was able to destroy the enemy. It happened one time, then two times, then three times. He gets to the third time he gets her to tie up his hair. Closer and closer she gets to the source of his power. And you would think after three times that he discloses a secret to her that she all of a sudden has enemies come in to kill him. You would think he would wake up, but see the strange woman likes to make you feel safe in the lap of luxury and the lap of her pleasure. You feel okay and you think maybe, you know what? I can do this. Even though I see the warning signs every time the enemy comes, God gives me victory. Never misinterpret your victory as validation for a lifestyle that that you are leading. Victory does not validate the activity behind the scenes. We can do some stupid stuff and make some terrible decisions. And God, who is rich in love and rich in mercy, can step in and bring about a deliverance because he's hoping that you wake up and realize this is foolish. I got to stop uh, playing games here. I got to stop gambling with God's grace. I got to stop stepping underfoot the blood of the son of God. I got to stop using God's grace as a cloak of maliciousness. Samson had warning after warning after warning that this strange woman is out to get you. But he had a victory on Sunday. Then he had another victory on Sunday. Then he had another victory on Sunday. So he just thinks, man, as long as I can make it to Sunday, I'm going to kick this. I'm going to win. I'm good for another week. 
But all of a sudden, the last time, he finally discloses. And she cuts that hair off of Samson. And he loses his source of power. And he tries to act as he did a times before. But all of a sudden, when the Philistines came in and he went to attack them, the enemy ripped out his eyes. The enemies bound him with chains and fetters. And now he was a servant and a slave to the enemy. That strange woman, it started off good. It started off nice. It looked good. But now at the end, you can't even look at anything. Your eyes have been robbed from you. They've been ripped out from you. You can't see what you hoped for. You can't see what gave you such joy before. It will destroy your vision. Hebrews eleven twenty four through 26. The Bible says Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. I'm not an idiot. I'm not a knucklehead. I understand sin is fun. I understand sin brings about many good times, many friends, many laughs, many joys, many pleasures, but it is only for a season. And Moses had his wake-up call, and he says, you know what, I would rather, I esteem the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. I may not have as much money serving God as I would have selling weed, as I would have selling this, that, and the other, and participating in various activities. But I would rather suffer for Jesus than to be rich and enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season. Because this season will play out, and at the end, I'm going to miss out on what God could have done in my life. And the Bible says in Psalm 73, I'm just about done. Just a few more portions of scripture. This is a powerful portion of scripture. Truly God is good to Israel, even to such that are of a clean heart. You hear it preached in church, you know, God's good. God's giving you victory. God's awesome. We all shout, we get excited. But sometimes you see it play out differently when you exit the building. You exit the building when You heard in church that God's good to Israel. God's good to everyone with a clean heart, but you step outside the building. And in verse 2, he says, as for me, man, my feet are slipping. My steps, I'm tripping right now. Because I look outside, outside the building of God's house in verse 3. I'm envious at the foolish. I see the prosperity of the wicked. I'm not saying the wicked don't prosper. I'm not saying the wicked don't get billions and millions of dollars. I'm not saying the wicked don't hit that six-digit income. I'm not saying the, 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 those living a life of wickedness don't have some fun stuff in life. And all of a sudden, verse 4, they leave the church service, and they, they look outside, and they say, man, there's no bands in their death. Their strength is firm. These are strong people. They're not in trouble as other men. Neither are they plagued like other men. Begin to believe the lie. Man, the people in the church, they're, they're bound, man. They're, they're under shackles, man. The people in the church, they can't have no fun. What a, what a bunch of, of just lame people, sticks in the mud. I go outside, look, I slip all the fun everybody in the world's having. And they're not plagued with problems like other people are. Pride compasses them about as a chain. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than their heart could wish. Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily. Look at what the Christian, look what the person of God begins to state to themselves. Well, maybe I'm, I'm trying this Christian thing, this Christianity, this church stuff. Maybe it's not worth my time. Maybe I'm just living a clean life in vain. Washing my hands to live an innocent life. What, 
What am I doing? I look outside and everything, everybody looks to be prospering, having a good time. And here I am, poor little Christian, poor little church mouse. For all the day long, I have been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. All of a sudden, there was a fear inside of them to even voice what they were thinking about church. Because, man, I, I, I feel this way. I don't know how everyone else in this church building feels. I don't want to mislead anybody in this church. Maybe I'll just exit silently, quietly by myself. But the Bible says, when they went back to church in verse 17, when I went to the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. See, what God wants you to have in your mind when you come into the house of God is that there's an end to all of this. There is a destination to all of it. There is a result to all of this. There is a consequence to all of this. There is a ramification to all of this. There is a culmination to all of this. There is an end game. There is a destination. There is a final point. And he says, when I went to church, when I went to the house of God, all of a sudden something happened. There was a revealing. There was a revelation that came to my mind. And God pulled the curtain back. God removed the blinders. And I realized it looks as if everybody's having fun outside of church. It looks like it's the life to lead and the life to live. But the Bible says God gave him revelation. And in verse 18, he says, surely they are set in in slippery places, and they will be cast down in destruction. They will be brought into desolation in a moment. It looks like they are untouchable. It looks like sin has no consequence. But in one moment, it's going to break. In one moment, it's going to snap. In one moment, it's going to have the floor pulled out from underneath them, and they will be utterly consumed with terrors. And as a dream, when one wakes up, up. So, O Lord, when you wake, thou, wilt, uh, thou shalt despise their image. Thus my heart was grieved, and I was pricked in my reins. God, forgive me. I was foolish. I was ignorant. I was as an animal before you. God, forgive me for thinking incorrectly. God, forgive me for not seeing the big picture. And God, thank you for waking me up to see the end result of this strange world and this strange life. He says, nevertheless, I am continually with you. I will make up my mind to serve you, God. And you're going to hold me with your right hand. You'll guide me with your counsel. And afterward, receive me to glory. Who do I have in heaven but you, God? There's none upon earth that I desire besides you. My flesh, my heart fail. But God is the strength of my heart, my portion forever. For lo, they are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go whoring from thee. But... It's good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God so I can declare all his works. Proverbs 23, 17 and 18. The writer says, let not thine heart envy sinners, but be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long. For surely there is an end and thine expectation shall not be cut 
off. There is an end to all of this. And the devil, our flesh even will fight against us and make us feel as if we're missing out on something. But I'm here to let somebody here today know that you are not missing out. You're missing the big picture. You're missing the reality that this world, this is all they get. They may seem to get away with everything their entire life and if that's the case if they live from all the way to age 90 and they have every sin at their access and they are never seeming to have any consequence for their decision fine that's their reward on this side of eternity but there is an end there is a finality there is an afterlife it may seem as if God are you just how can you let this person and get away with that. This person raped that person. This person murdered that person. And they still haven't found that person. God, how are you going to ever take care of this? Hear me right now. There is an end. There is an eternity. And God is just. And God is judge who will reward every man according to their works. In verse 19, so listen, my son, be wise. Guide your heart in the right way. Don't be among wine bibbers, among riotous eaters of flesh. This world is given to their appetite. This world is given to alcohol. And he says, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't, don't buy into it. I'm saying, see, some people, their strange woman is a literal woman. Some strange woman, for some people, it's alcohol. Some strange woman, for some people, it is marijuana. Some strange woman, for some people, it's lying. Whatever it may be, there is something for everybody in this room that the devil is trying to offer you. But do not be among her. Do not incline your ways toward her. For the drunkard, the glutton, will come to poverty. And drowsiness will clothe a man with rags. First Peter chapter 4 verses 1 through 5. For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh. Arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he hath suffered in the flesh. Hath ceased from sin. That he should no longer live the rest of his time in the flesh. To the lust of men. But to the will of God. This is the purpose of Jesus dying for our sins, being buried in grave and rising again. It's so we stop giving into our flesh and start giving into the will of God. For the time past, our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles. When we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries. These are all the things that we gave ourselves to that the world makes look good. But when we got into the church, when God saved us, when we were born again, he pulled us out of darkness into his marvelous light. It says this. Here's the world's reaction to us. They think it strange that you do not run with them to the same excess of right, speaking evil of you who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. The objective of the enemy is to show you what you are missing. But we must be reminded of what they are missing. Let's stand together. We might miss certain pleasures in this world. We might miss certain activities. We may miss maybe even a promotion at some job or something like that because, you know, we we didn't play the game. We didn't participate in the immorality. We didn't participate in the dishonesty. And all of this stuff, it's because we realize, you know what? The strange woman, 
yes, it may look like there is an instant gratification, but there is a long-term consequence to that. And when we deny the strange woman, the strange woman looks at us and they think we're strange. They think we're weird. Well, that's because we are foreigners. We are pilgrims. We are walking on this earth, but this earth is not our home. This is not our final abode. We're living for the other side. I'm not living on this side to get mine. I'm living on this side with that side in mind. I'm thinking about eternity. I'm thinking about Jesus. I'm thinking about heaven. And I may look weird. I may look strange to other people. But all that matters is when God looks at me. He does not look at me as something strange. He looks at me and says, that's my child. That's my child that's been born again. That's my child that wants to live a life that's pleasing, holy, and acceptable unto me. That's the life to live. Two verses and I'm done. Proverbs 13, 15 and Proverbs 10, 22. Good understanding gives favor, but the way of transgressors is hard. You can go the way of the strange woman, but the end result is going to be the most difficult place. It's the most difficult destination. It's not a fear tactic when the, the preacher's preaching about consequence and, and ramifications and, and long-term effects. It's, it's not a fear tactic, but in Jesus' name, I hope it puts the fear of God inside of you. Because if we don't think about eternity, if we don't think about what's coming up, we are in trouble. Because there is an end to all of this. And the enemy, he won't show you the result. He'll show you everything as revealing and as seducing as possible. But won't reveal the thing that would cause you to be afraid. And that is missing out with God in a place called hell. A place of eternal darkness. A place that is a flame. The Bible says that the worm dies not. The fires, the flames are not quenched. Meaning it is not consumed. It is eternal. It is ongoing. It is forever. And God, I pray in the name of Jesus. There's, there's sins that God has completely, totally, absolutely set me free from that I do not struggle with. I don't say that to boast. I'm just, I'm boasting on the power of God in my life. But there's other areas in my life that I have not mastered, that I, I sometimes can have a blinder. All of us have some sort of blind spot where we think we're okay. We think we're all right. But God, help us to continually live our lives, working out our salvation with fear and trembling, saying, Lord, Show me a blind spot in my life. I don't want to mess around with this. I don't want the strange woman. I don't want her words to convince me enough to go the wrong direction, to make the wrong decision. But Proverbs 10, 22 says the blessing of the Lord. It maketh rich. And you would think, well, that's okay. Well, something's coming up. It's, it sounds too good to be true. There's got to be a but there somewhere. But there isn't. It says, and the blessing of the Lord makes rich and adds no sorrow to it. You can have the way of transgressors, which is a way of pleasure. But the end of transgressors is hard. You can serve God and the blessing of the Lord. I'm telling you, it makes rich and God adds no sorrow to it. It's not that living for God is easy and there's no struggle or no difficulty. But the ultimate conclusion is there's no regret. I have no 
regret serving God. I have been rejected. I have been mocked. I have been made fun of. I've missed some quote unquote occasions or opportunities, but I promise you this. When I have missed those, I didn't miss anything at all because I saw those who took the opportunity and took the bait and it led them to an end of destruction and regret. And it messed up the family. It messed up the marriage. It messed up their walk with God. But thanks be to God that there is a blessing you can get from the Lord and there is no sorrow added to it. I wonder if there's somebody here today that's thankful for the blessing of the Lord. God, I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Uh, Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. There's an elder... I, I don't know how old he is he's just an older preacher. Maybe you heard him. His name's J.H. Osborne. He's got the most fantastic voice. I wish I could preach with that voice. He just kind of talks and you just like listen. But he 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 preached a sermon one time I heard many years ago, and it's called "It's Time to Pay the Dancer." And he's talking about the story of Herod and Herodias's daughter in in the New Testament. And when they're having a big party and a big feast, King Herod, he calls for his own daughter to come and dance before everybody. And this this vile dance that she does, this seductive dance that she does, and how perverted, how twisted that you would have your own daughter do that before people. And then that you yourself would be attracted to it. It's absolute perversion. But she did what he asked her to do, and it was pleasing to his flesh. But after all the fun and after all the pleasure, it was payday. He says, whatever you want, I I offer up to half my kingdom. And he was not ready for the payment required. And she says, give me the head of the man of God. And that's how this world works. It will do everything it can to where you want something so bad, you'll pay for it. But you're not ready for what the price is. And the enemy just wants to cut off the voice of God in your life, the man of God in your life. You can enjoy the dance, but payday's coming. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God Eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. There's no sorrow added to the blessing of the Lord. I wonder if we can lift our hands and our voices. I wonder if we could begin to pray right now and say, God, I do not want to entertain anything in my life, Lord, that is so alluring and calming to my flesh. Come on, you got to be, you got to be warned. You got to know that when something is causing your flesh to feel confident and comfortable, there is a seductress, there is a mistress, there is something that's causing you to let that guard down because there's a price it wants you to pay and it's not the price you want to pay. It's going to be 
regret. It's going to be regret. It's going to be regret. God, I don't want to pay that dancer. And God, I don't want to be given to the strange woman. I don't want to be given to the alluring spirit of temptation. God, whatever that temptation may be, Lord, whether it's drugs, whether it's alcohol, whether it's violence, whether it's wrath, whether it's gossip, whether it's slander, Lord, no matter what, Lord, that's trying to get me to let my guard down. I will not give into it, Lord. I will not give into it, God. Search me. Try me and show me. Lord, I have learned by experience that the blessing of the Lord, you add no sorrow to it. I've never regretted God serving you. I've never regretted obeying you. Lord, I've had moments where the enemies caused me to second guess it, where I look outside the walls of the building and I see a world that seems to have no consequence and they seem to have no ramification but Lord there is an end there is an end there is a conclusion to the whole matter so I will fear God and keep your commandments Lord I will serve you faithfully all of the days of my life I want you to hear the Holy Ghost, whatever spirit of addiction you're battling with right now, it's, 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 it's right now that you need to cut the head off of that. It's right now you need to cut the head off of that. Hear me in the Holy Ghost, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that strange woman, that seducing spirit is an addictive spirit. And that spirit of addiction that you are battling will be your destruction. But there's a blessing of the Lord that's in this altar right now. There is a blessing of the Lord that's in this altar and there is no sorrow to it. Come on, if there is something that you are battling right now, I wonder if you would come to this altar where the blessing of the Lord is. You're not going to regret coming to the altar, but you will regret not coming. You won't regret praying in the altar, but you will regret not praying. You won't regret calling on the name of the Lord for him to save you in your situation, but you will regret the other decision that you make. Make up in your mind right now, in the name of Jesus, I got to stop giving into the impulsive nature of my flesh. I've got to stop giving into the alluring spirit. I will not be seduced to my destruction. I refuse to be seduced to my destruction. And if you don't know anything in your life that's seducing you, just pray that God gives you a three-dimensional view, that God will give you a full panoramic right now of what is in your world. God, I want nothing, nothing to slow me down. No, no weight that would so easily be Set me, Lord, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hadamaha. Hey. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, there's deliverance here today. There's freedom here today. There's liberty here today. Morocco. Merotoroso. Madame Soto. Crandare Oso. Maramandare. Lororondore. Arararare. Ororororondora. Carare. Ah.